0: I'll let the guys kind of finish uh, receiving the offering. I'm glad that you're here today. This is uh, this is a good day for you. That might be a guest, man. We're so glad you're here. We have some great congregations in this community, and and uh, I think we are one of them. And so it's a good place to 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 be. Uh, just just so that you know a little bit about us, we we believe in lifting up Jesus Christ. We believe that if He be lifted up, He will draw men into Himself, and so that's what we pray. Will happen. We we come to an audience of one, and I know we come in with many needs. And so I, I just want us to pause again, if you don't mind, and let's just go to the Lord in prayer. And so with your head bowed and just uh, you with the Lord, man, just just tell Him where you're at today. He knows already, as Brett said, He He knows what's going on in your life. Just just let Him know, and uh, voice your needs. He knows what you need even before you ask, but just come before him today and let me just voice a prayer over us. Holy God, you are worthy of all praise. Right now in your very presence, there are elders and angels bowing down and declaring that you are holy and we get to join in on that and we get to join our voices with this whole globe today as we just exalt your name. Lord, I know there's needs in this room. I know there, there are some that are just wondering about this parenting deal. How do you do it? How do you do it properly in a day that's very difficult? And and people are struggling in their marriages. And and uh, people, some have health issues. And some ha- have just lost the joy and the passion of walking with you. And so, Lord, we we want to come and just ask that you would open the eyes of our heart, that we may see you more clearly today and that uh Lord when we walk off this campus in a little bit Lord we will be different than how we came and we will be effective in our mission field because your spirit inhabits us so Lord please open up our hearts now to hear your word in Jesus name amen amen in 2006 a guy by the name of Randy Posh some of you may be aware of this he uh was, he contracted or came down with pancreatic cancer. And he was, a, uh, he was a, a professor at Carnegie Mellon University. He wrote a book on a talk that they did. They did something called The Last Lecture. When, when a, a professor is retiring, they will do the last lecture. Let him do a last lecture. Well, Posh was in his 40s, but he knew he wasn't going to live that much longer, so they allowed him to do a last lecture. And the book became known as The Last Lecture. And you can go on YouTube and watch, uh, watch what he had to say. Here's a man that would be dead in about a year after he would give this lecture, but he said some very profound things. You know, you got to think about it. If you're trying to relay the last things, you're going to be able to relay to somebody. But there's one statement he said in that. He said... He said, it's not about the cards you're dealt, but it's how you play the hand. It's not about the cards you're dealt, but how you play the hand. You see, we're all given life. And it seems like sometimes it doesn't turn out the way that you thought it should turn out. And we're talking about living life on mission. We're talking about wherever we're at to be able to live life as the missionaries God has called us to be. Sometimes it's good circumstances, sometimes it's not good circumstances, but it's not in how, not in the cards we've been dealt, but how we play the hand. You see, God allows you to go through certain things so that he can use you in the midst of those things. There's a video I want you to watch of just how somebody has been able to take some cards that were dealt with them and let it become their mission field. Watch this. Hi,
1: we're the Ellen I'm Mitch. This is my wife, Teresa.
2: And we've been coming to Central for about 12 years now. Well, the purpose of the group is to bring uh, alongside moms and dads who have family members with special needs, from children to adults, and we would just we want to pray with them, we want to have fellowship with them, and um, we just want to be friends with them.
1: Starting this group is meaningful to Trace and I because we are the parents of a very special young lady, Lindsay, who has special needs, and from the time she was a child to now she's going to be 25 in February, it has been an incredible journey. And I mean, we have hit rock bottom to just the highest of highs. And we want to be able to share that with other people and know that they're not alone when they're at the bottom and they think there's nowhere else to go, because there is. guarantee you there is
2: it would have been nice to have a a couple or people who understood what we're going through Um, from when you have a family member with special needs you go from illnesses to doctors appointments and even some other major events in life that you thought you would never have to go through and it would have been nice to have someone to be able to call and say, "Can you pray for us? Can you come by and you know
1: pray?" Well, some of the experiences that Teresa and I and our whole family uh, experienced with a child like Lindsay have uh, have really taken us to places we thought we'd never be. Um, from Having the sheriff's department over our home seven times in a summer, from having Teresa rushed to Round Rock Medical Center with a cut in her head, and Lindsay being rushed to Dell Children's Center because she cut her hand breaking a window or shades on the on the windows. Um, it, it, there's nothing that anyone can tell us that we have not experienced. Experienced, gone through from, like I said, police to meltdowns, tantrums we'll understand and we won't be shocked whatever you tell us, whatever you want to share we will pray for you we will be there with you
2: it's a lifetime journey and we still take care of our daughter today as, she, as she's an adult so we're not even an empty nester we still have to watch over her. We have to make sure she's protected. And these families will always have to do that for theirs. So we want to, we want to be your prayer partners. We want to be your support. And uh, there's no greater blessing than having a family member with special needs. But there's no greater trials than having a family member with special needs.
1: We have seen what God can do. we have seen him move mountains and we're still together now we'll be celebrating our 30th anniversary our next anniversary and statistically we're the exceptions because about 90% of all husbands and wives split up when they have a family member that has these type of needs so God is the answer no doubt But there was anger. There was anger and and shame and guilt, uh-huh. and without Jesus, we were lost. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, praise God.
2: Yeah. He's a great restorer, and he's a great rescuer. Yeah. <laughs> There's no one better.
0: Mitch and Teresa would have every reason to say, Woe is me, God, I don't think you can use us. We've gone through this. Instead, God has so um, moved their heart with their circumstances, with the cards they've been dealt, that they're willing to play the hand for him. See, that's what we're talking about with First Peter. We've been walking through the letter of 1 Peter, and we're talking about that God wants to use us right where we are. Peter was addressing these uh, people who had been scattered because of their faith in Christ, and he's telling them they're foreigners and aliens here, and that God wants to use them right where they're at, though. And some of you are in that place today. Some of you have been dealt cards, and uh, instead of responding much like Mitch and Teresa, who are willing to say they've been angry, they've been gone through the whole gamut, you're thinking, I can't be used of God. And he's saying, you're perfect to be used by me. Well, I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. And uh, we're going to begin in verse 7 today. We're calling this message, uh, The End is Near. And uh, the question I want to ask you in relating to what we just discussed a little bit is this. If you had 24 hours, that was it, 24 hours, and you knew it was all going to be over, what would you do? Uh, You know, would you, you probably wouldn't sleep. You probably would go get relationships right that had gotten fractured. You would uh you would do something, eat your best meal. I don't know what you would do. But if you had twenty four hours left, the end was near, like Randy Posh in in the last lecture, you know, what would be important to you? Well, in first Peter chapter four, verse seven through eleven, let me read the scripture and then uh we'll come back and, and break it open a little bit. This is what Peter says in verse seven. He said, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks. They should do so as one who speaks the very words of God, if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Peter starts out by saying, "The end of all things is near. what in the world is he referring to because uh, Jesus had had risen what what's he what's he saying? Does he have a, a in enter something here have we missed the end of something well actually we see that when jesus rose from the dead and ascended to the right hand of the father we have been living ever since in the last days we believe that christ could return at any time i believe in the new testament they lived with the anticipation that christ could return at any any moment we should live with that same kind of anticipation In fact, Peter later would say, you know, a thousand years is like a day to the Lord, and a day is like a thousand years. Time is something that we are really bound by, but we live in the last days. And so Peter was getting across to these people, you're living in the last days. The end is near, so there's three things that are very important that I want to lay out to you that Peter laid out for these people. First of all, he's going to talk to them about you need to pray fervently. Second, he's going to say you need to love strenuously. And then thirdly, he's going to say you need to serve passionately. And there's a reason i picked out those words, and it'll make sense as we get and break apart this scripture. The first thing, though, is that we need to pray fervently. He told these people, you need to pray. Notice in verse 7, he says, Therefore, be alert and sober mind so that you may pray. Pray. Praying is important. I don't need to get up here and guilt-induce you about prayer. Because I'm the first to say I'm but a kindergartner, I feel like, in prayer. And yet we are called to pray. And not just to pray, but pray fervently. Pray from a deep inner uh, uh, compulsion that we want to reach the heart of God so that things may be different. But the the bottom line of prayer is we want to connect with the Father. Jesus pulled away to connect with the Father so that they had that intimate walk in what prayer was. So when you start out in the morning, Father, I come before you in prayer. Let's connect today so that we can walk this day out together. That's a big deal about prayer. But I'm not here to talk about why don't we pray more because we all feel guilty about that. And I'm not up here to say, okay, we're going to have this prayer meeting tonight, and we'll see the most godly show up. You know, and then we feel guilt-induced that we're going to show up. In fact, I'll be the first to say this, because, because I am the lead pastor here. I know that what I say in the, the the message that I model and set forth for you is the way the church usually goes. And so if we have a weakness in prayer, I have nowhere to look but right here. And that's where I look most of the time. But the deal about prayer is that we want to connect with the Father, So it would seem to me that we have a relationship with our Heavenly Father, right? That's what we, we don't, we don't, we say Christianity is not a religion, but it's a relationship that was established through God revealing Himself through Jesus Christ. And we respond by faith and we have this personal relationship because of this. So it's a relationship. You know as well as I do what happens in relationships over time. We have a tendency to pull away from one another. You can, you can go to a restaurant and you can tell the couples that have been married the longest. They, they usually sit in silence. They don't commune like they used to commune. But you can tell that hu- honeymoon couple, can't you? I mean, they're, they're not sitting on each side of, the, of, of, of things. They're sitting right by each other, right? They're, they're not separate in the booth. They're right by each other because they're communing. There's something about the intimacy. And what happens over time... We let it drift. And that's what happens with our Heavenly Father so much. We drift. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2, Jesus is speaking to seven churches. And He's speaking to the church in Ephesus. And He says, the church, He said, you're doing some great things. And He started listing out some of the great things they were doing. But He said, this one thing I have against you, though, you have departed from your first love. You've departed from your first love. You've let your passion wane. I wonder sometimes if Jesus were here, He would say, Central, you're doing some good things. You've got a good student ministry. You've got a good kids ministry. You've got good groups happening. Worship is good. You're you're reaching out to a mission field. You're doing some good things. But then I wonder if there would be the pause. He'd say, but this one thing I hold against you. You've left your first love. Because all that stuff is nothing if we're not connected to Him. And our passion wanes. So if we're going to be a people of prayer, we've got to say, God, restore the passion that I've let grow cold. You see, Peter, I bet he was thinking back about About When he was in the garden with Jesus, because he says you need to be sober, you need to be awake because times times are tough. And you remember when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane before he was crucified, he's praying to the father and he takes Peter, James and John a little bit farther into the garden with him. Right. And so Peter was there. This is the same Peter. And so they're there. And Jesus says, you stay here and pray. I'm going to go a little bit deeper in prayer. And so Jesus goes, he comes back, and what does he do? He finds the guys asleep. They're not watching. They're not doing what he had asked them to do. So he stoked them to wake up. He went back and prayed. He's intensely praying. Sweat drops of blood are coming. He goes back. Once again, the guys are asleep. Peter remembers all this. And he's saying to the people, listen, you need to be sober, you need to be awake, you need to be watching, and you need to be praying intensely and fervently. And that's what we're called to do. We're called the same thing. We need to say, okay, Lord, the the end is near. We don't want to leave our first love. We want to be with you. And this is what I, this is what I'm coming to grips with about prayer. Prayer is not changing my circumstances. Somebody needs to hear this today. Prayer is not changing my circumstances, but it's changing me in the midst of my circumstances. Most of us are praying, God, change my circumstances. Make me well. Give me money. Give me this. Give me this. We we treat God with a wish list instead of saying, God, may I be so close to you that you change me in the midst of what I'm walking through. There was an evangelist. He had gone to a church to, to preach. And afterwards, a lady came up to him and said said to the evangelist, said, really, how can we have revival? And he said, this is what you need to do. You need to go home, get on your knees, get a piece of chalk or something to mark, and you draw a circle around yourself and pray, God, bring revival and start inside this circle. That's the kind of passion I pray that we learn to pray fervently. God, let it happen. Let it begin with me. So the first thing Peter says is is pray fervently. The second thing that, we, that he encourages the people is to love strenuously. And there's a reason I use the word strenuously. Look what it says in verse 8. He said, above all, in other words, this is top priority. Love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Love each other deeply. The word deeply there is actually a picture of a, ho- a horse at full gallop. If you've ever seen a horse race, you see that horse that's going at full gallop. That's the stress and the strenuousness that Peter is saying here. You need to love deeply. Love strenuously. Reaching out with everything that's in you to others. Love them in the name. And here's the deal. You know, the scriptures talk about different kinds of love. Okay? It talks about, uh, uh, phileo love which is brotherly love it talks about eros love which is the love between a man and a woman and it talks about agape love which is the the love that christ came and demonstrated it's a love with no strings attached it's a love uh in spite of you didn't do anything to earn it it's sacrificial it's i'm willing to give myself away on account of my love for you that's the kind of love that he's talking about here And he says, you need to love deeply, love strenuously, stretched out, running at full gallop with everything that's in you. And he says, above all, let this be your first priority. You see, we as followers of Jesus are not to be known for our buildings. We're not to be known for our programs. We're not to be known for how many come. We are to be known, Jesus said, by the love we have for one another. By this will all men know that you are my disciples. Because of the love we have for one another. And notice what Peter said. He says, love covers a multitude of sins. Now, that's a tough thing to understand. But I believe believe there's two things love does. Love covers and love recovers. Love covers. When somebody fails, when somebody has fallen, when somebody's blown it, when somebody has fallen into a sin and uh, we, we think, why does that happen? What normally happens, you ready for this, is the church just cuts them off. Just cuts them off. Instead of, of coming and covering and loving them in the midst of what they are going through. Now I realize somebody can walk away. They can walk away on their own. But yet we as a church need to be loving in the midst of that. And secondly, we need to recover. And the, the way I say recover is, is there are many people who think they're worthless. They think they're an accident. They think they've been abandoned. They think they, they've got the raw end of the deal. They think their cards have been dealt and everything is stacked against them. And they think God cannot use me because of my past failures. Because of the things, I've had an abortion, I've had a divorce, or I've gone through all these things. God cannot use me. Let me tell you, the love of Christ not only covers, but it recovers. It lets you know you are of worth in Christ alone. All of us have blown it. Let's all hold our hands up. I have blown it. Okay? We've all blown it. We're all broken. We need Jesus. And so... It, love not only covers a multitude of sins, it recovers those that have gone away and think they're not worth it. Romans 5.5, 5, Paul said this, the, his, that God's love has been poured out in our hearts. In 2 Corinthians 5.14, Paul says, God's love compels us, or Christ's love compels us. What he is saying here is that we are conduits of the love of Christ. He pours His love out to us, and we are grace dispensers to other people. That's what we're called to be. We're not called to just come and shine our light on one another. We're called to take the love of God that He's poured in our hearts and dispense that to other people. And that's what Peter is saying here. He said you not only need to pray fervently, but you need to love strenuously. And then there's a third one that he that I, I call serve passionately. Serve passionately. He says in verse 9, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. I love that without grumbling on there. I thought we were the only generation that just grumbles all the time. It's good to know that in the first century they dealt with the the same thing. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We are called... To serve passionately. And the reason I use the word passionately there is when you look at the verbiage, offer hospitality to one another, it's not that this should be worked up. You see, if you have a passion for something, I don't have to work it up in you. You automatically do it. And and why I I do not understand why God puts certain passions in some of us and not deeper in all of us. You take somebody who has a passion for students or a passion for kids or a passion for singles or a passion for the poor or a passion for the unborn. You have these passions that some of you have this holy discontent that you've got to do something about it. I mean, it's that deep a thing in you. And others of us, we have a passion, but it doesn't seem to be that extreme. You see, God has put this passion by his spirit in all of us that we are to serve. We are to give ourselves away. We are to serve passionately. And the word hospitable here, hospitality, the literal translation is giving yourself away to help. You ready for this? Not just others, but to help strangers. To help strangers. You see, it's easy to serve those we love. It's easy to serve like when you come here on Sunday. But are you willing to have hospitality even for the stranger? The one that seems undeserving. You see, that's that's how radical Jesus is. If we're going to follow Jesus, we got to understand it's radical. We are going to serve those who may never serve us, may never get anything in return. We are to use our spiritual gifts so that we can serve others. And here's something I love too. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about these giftings in just a moment. But in verse 10, he says that we are managers of this of God's grace in it, and he uses this term, various forms. That's what the NIV says. What it literally means is multicolored. You remember Paul in the New Testament, when he talked about the, the church, he called it what? A body. The body of Christ. You have ears, you have eyes, you have hands, you have feet. You know, you have all the different forms. The mouth. You have the body of Christ. Peter uses a picture of multicolored, of various forms is what he's talking about. That's how he describes the, the, the congregation, the body of Christ. That's how he describes it. In other words, we're all different. It's multicolored. It's got angles to it that we are all needed to fulfill. And it's so beautiful in what he's put together. It's like the rainbow. It's a beautiful thing that he's put together. Um, I I tell you what I thought about, this shows my age a little bit, but uh, I remember as a kid we had one of those silver tinfoil type Christmas trees, you know what I'm talking about for you that are around my generation. We had this, and then we had the color wheel. Now, how many of you know what I'm talking about here? Okay, I'm not alone. Younger generation think, man, you've lost it. But what it was, it was a spotlight type thing, and you had this color wheel with the primary colors on it, and the wheel would turn. And when it would come yellow, it would shine on the silver, and it would be yellow, red. Man, you'd get these multicolored, multifaceted colored on your tree that you're looking at. And I thought, you know, when it's yellow, you see it a particular way. When it's red a particular way, see God in his infinite wisdom, created all of us and he loves colors but there's a multifaceted color of all of you and he talks about these giftings that you've been given i want to i want to share with you something about these spiritual giftings that he has put inside of us right quick uh four quick things uh, because we are to use our spiritual gifts h- hear this number 1 each believer is needed every one of you is needed there's not a one of you that is not needed. You've been gifted in a particular way, and for such a time as this, God has you here as part of this local congregation, so you are to be using your spiritual gifts to bring Him glory right here. I am gifted kind of weird, uh, in that I have a pastor shepherd gifting. I mean, it, it's, it's, I mean, it's just dominant in me. So, people, People will ask me, who was there on a particular Sunday? And I will look out at you, and I will not know all, everyone that's here, but I will know who's not here. It's a weirdness in me. Is it because I think, oh, they're not here to fill the room up? No, 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 no. It doesn't, have, it doesn't have anything to do with that. It has to do with, I hope they're okay. It's the same way you are as parents with your kids when they're not there. That is part of my gifting. Because I believe that everybody is gifted in this room. You have spiritual gifts that were given to you by the, by the very presence of God through His Holy Spirit, and you need to be using those. We need each other. Here, here's the second thought on spiritual gifts. Each believer is uniquely blended. This is where the multicolor comes in. You're uniquely blended. No two of you are alike. That I don't mean just like a snowflake and, and fingerprint thing. Uh, uh, I mean, you are just unique in the way God puts you together. So Paul listed out, what, 13 spiritual gifts or so? And people like to make it a checklist, and I'm going to take the test, and I'm going to find out what spiritual gifts are. That's okay. I'm not, I'm not saying you can't do that. But the best thing to do is get with the Lord, and you start seeing that He gave you a present. And in that gift that He gave you, He gave you multifaceted things that He wants to use. He may even use them for a season and then they will not be there for another season. He has gifted you and all of you are unique. So if somebody's not fulfilling their gift, hear me, if somebody's not fulfilling their gift in the body, then what's happening is is that gift is not being utilized. Or somebody who's not gifted in that area is having to pick it up. So you need to find... How God has created you so unique. Thirdly is this. Each believer is to help others. We're here for others. We're not here for ourselves. We're here to give ourselves away. We're grace dispensers to give ourselves away to others. We're here, here to help others. And then fourthly is this. Each believer, and, and Peter said this at the, at the last of what we read today, so, said, so that all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ, to Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. When you use your giftings, you're giving glory to God. When you're not using your giftings, you're just making it all about you. We were created for His good glory. So you use your giftings to point people to Him and to bring God glory. And here's the deal. All these gifts are needed. All of you are needed. Many years ago now, I'll help the younger generation, there was a president by the name of Ronald Reagan. And he got shot on a Saturday morning. I remember that because I was in college at the time. And I remember the buzz going through the library that President Reagan had gotten shot. And uh, what happened, though, is that President Reagan, he was going to recover and everything. But for some weeks and a time, he was going to uh, be sidelined and not be able to be commander-in-chief for that time. But you know something? The country just went along. I mean, everybody did their role, and the country did fine. So we think, man, the president of the United States ought to be the most important thing. We've got a situation. I'll just use it as a prayer need in our community right now. Mayor Craig Morgan is... uh, at the hospital, he had a mass in his back in the spinal uh, spinal column pressing against that. They removed it. They're still waiting to hear back from him. And, and uh, I appreciate our mayor so much just in, in the conversations we've had and just being able to go up there and pray with him. We're still waiting to get the report back. But, but you know, the city council picks it up. Uh, uh, even though the mayor's sidelined, everything's going to go. So we're thinking, well, the mayor should be the most important entity in this, but everything's going. However, I read about, I think it was in London, that uh, the sanitation people, the garbage collectors, went on strike. And them going on strike just about shut down the whole city. So we would think, what is the most important? Is it the president or is it the sanitation collectors? Well, the deal is both. Both. Both are needed. All are needed. And so don't be thinking, I don't have much to offer. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I, I I sometimes think about people that are loving on the little ones in our preschool right now. You don't know who's in there. You've got to have a mass murder or you could have a missionary. We're just called to love on them and develop them and deter that mass murder. But we're all needed. We're all needed. I think Peter is getting across, listen, the end is near. We don't know when the end is coming. You know, Christ will crack the sky. If you're not familiar with that, Jesus is going to return. We don't know. It could be today. It could be a thousand years. I don't know. But we're living in the last day. I think the challenge is for us to pray fervently, to love strenuously, and to serve passionately, I've been hearing about something i have not um, I have not taken up the offer on this, but Burger King has developed what is called the impossible whopper okay, a burger. Called the Impossible Burger, and some of you are thinking, uh, "Man, uh, Mark, what are you talking about?" It's a meatless burger. Now, it's probably really good. I will never eat one. <laughs> but it's you know it may be pretty good. But you call something a burger, and it doesn't have meat in it. I think that's against God's will. I think <laughs> that if you got a burger, you should have meat in it. Greece, but a burger meatless burger. And I thought about that, and then I thought, you know, there are many people who are on the outside trying to do the Christian thing, but they're Christless Christians. We've got appearances down. where's our passion for Jesus? Where's our passion for others? Where's the love that sets us apart? I don't know where all of you are today. I I know most of you in this room. I know you're like me. You're trying to live it out on a daily basis. You're trying to work through it. It's a journey. As Mitch said in the video, it's a journey. Been through the journey. But I do know this. I know that Jesus is the answer. I know that some of you in this room are not followers of Jesus. You're here. That's a great thing. But you have never taken a faith step. You're religious. But you've not understood that God so loved you that He sent Jesus to pay the ultimate price for you so that you could have eternal life. Not just life in heaven someday, but life now. Purpose. Meaningful. Forgiven. Forgiven. And He's just waiting for you to call upon Him. Simple prayer. But it's a profound life change. God, please forgive me. I need You. I've done it my own way and it's failure. I need You. That's your prayer today. Welcome home. That's the first step. But some of you, your passion is waned, and you know it. You know it. When I start talking about passion for Jesus, you're thinking, "Ah, I'm run." You just go through the motions. I know. I've been there. I'm there quite often. Lord, wake me up. Stir me. Be some kind of catalyst to massage my heart in such a way that I fall madly in love with you, Lord, to pursue you. That's my prayer. Maybe right where you're at, maybe you need to be the person to draw a circle around yourself today as we enter this ministry time and say, Lord, begin right here. Begin here.